When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Social Security is one of the most complex and confusing federal programs. With over 2,700 rules, it's no wonder that we're confused about when and how to start collecting and who to turn to for help. Welcome to Social Security Answers from the Experts, hosted by Martha Shedden. In this podcast series, Martha meets with professionals to provide you with the answers to questions about this most important financial decision. And now, here's your host, President and co-founder of the National Association of Registered Social Security Analysts, Martha Shedden. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another great show. I am your host, Martha Shedden, and today I have the pleasure of welcoming Doug Carey to the podcast. Doug is a chartered financial analyst and is currently president and owner of WealthTrace, a retirement and financial planning software company for consumers, as well as financial planners, I believe. At WealthTrace, he helps people every day with their financial and retirement planning questions, including a lot of questions about Social Security. Doug has a master's degree in economics and was a financial advisor and registered investment advisor in Colorado for 10 years. He has over 28 years of experience in the finance industry. Doug, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you majored in economics and you became a financial advisor. Tell us how you progressed from that start to developing software for financial market. What what problem did you see that you thought you could improve on? Well, so I was a uh, financial software developer for a bit and the company I worked for was bought and I eventually decided I wanted to to leave and and I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do. And then the 2008-2009 financial meltdown occurred and I had lots of friends and family coming to me with questions and they did not want to use a, a lot of them didn't want to go to a financial advisor. They just, they wanted to handle things on their own, but, but they were really worried. So I'm getting lots and lots of questions from people and I thought, you know what? I should be a financial planner or a financial advisor uh, locally here. I think I'd really enjoy it. Uh, I had the background for it. And it would be a, a switch from what I was doing before, which was uh, basically programming and, and leading a team of financial software developers. So anyway, I start, um, start off on this path and I'm looking for financial planning software. And I didn't like anything that I saw. And I thought none of it was user-friendly. So being a software developer before, I started building my own. And as I started building it, I thought, you know what? I think other people, consumers could use this if I build it the right way. And so I went down this other path. And, you know, long story short, I ended up focusing more on my software and selling to consumers than, than everything else. And you do also sell it to financial advisors, I would think. Yes, yeah. So we have two versions, one's for consumers, one's for advisors. 
What is the mix of users? Is it mostly financial advisors or, or more consumers? More consumers, about three-fourths consumers now. Okay. I can understand that need to want to be in control of your own planning. And with software now, it's possible. There's a lot of people that don't work with financial advisors. Yeah. And as younger people get older, all of these folks are comfortable with yeah. the internet and doing things on their phone, their iPad, whatever it might be. So every day, it's more and more people who want to do this on their own. So do you find, um, I guess this goes for both your um, consumers and the, the financial professionals, do they, are they using it to manage their assets and the accumulation of wealth? Or is it helping them more to do the retirement drawdown and decumulation process? It's actually both uh, at this point. It didn't used to be, but a few years ago, we allowed people to start linking all their their investment assets. Uh-huh. And so everything gets pulled in every night, including all their holdings, their transactions. Uh, they can view historical data. They can uh, view their fees they're paying, their fund performance. So it's really become a wealth manager as well. You can't trade, of course, but you can really get a full view of what has been going on with your uh, investment assets. So you can see, you can look back, see what has happened, and you can obviously look forward with your financial projections. Okay. That sounds really unique that you're combining that access to their accounts. I mean, I know other software does that, but... um... Yeah, usually it's one or the other. Um, There's nobody that really does both in terms of being able to aggregate everything, look, dig into your holdings, <clears throat> see what you own, see what your transactions were, and then also be able to run a, a full-on retirement plan. So as a financial advisor then, are you still working uh, hands-on with these individuals if they have questions or how does that work? No, I separated that out for legal reasons, right? The financial advising part, the We offer support, of course, and then we also have uh, we have a a service where we will walk people through their plan with them, you know, kind of line by line in a sense uh, for an extra fee and help them understand what every input means and kind of coach them up on if they've made a mistake, you know, maybe there's an entry that doesn't look right to us. So, so it's more of a, an audit of, of their plan and, and walking them through it. Right. You're not giving advice. You're helping them with the software. Yes, that's right. So um, how does the software uh, deal with clients, users, social security claiming decision? If so, how does it do this? So there's, A simple scenario in the software, you can just move this little slider and say, I want to delay my social security by X number of years, and the program will calculate the changed payment for you, and then project out how much you'll have each year going forward, including um, at the end of your life expectancy. And really, that's kind of what it boils down to uh, is, well, which one will give me more money over time, right? And it also gives you the probability, your Monte Carlo probability of success in the different scenarios as well. So which one gives me the higher probability of success? Which one gives me the most money? So it's a very simple way of, of, of running it right off the bat, but there can be more to it, such as 
combining it with different withdrawal strategies. And that's where it gets really interesting because usually I find that most people should delay as long as their life expectancy is above 80. Uh, most people should delay taking social security till 70. Well, that's what the math says, right? Um, so just by the math of it, however, depending on how, how they're making up for the money that's not coming in before right. 70, that can really change things. And that's where it gets kind of interesting and where they might need my help um, to kind of point out, hey, here's what's going on. And I'll, I'll show them the numbers in the software and say, see, you had to withdraw from this account and you don't want to do that. So delaying is going to create a tax headache for you or, or whatever it might be. Yeah, that was my my next question, because that that drawdown is such an intertwined puzzle between taxable and non-taxable accounts and and Social Security taxation of that income. So does it automatically search for the most tax efficient way for clients to use their funds? That would be a neat algorithm to have. It's so complex. There'd be there'd just be so many different scenarios. However, um, it starts you on the right foot. It, it defaults to taking from taxable accounts first before it takes from your qualified tax deferred accounts because 99% of the time that is the most tax efficient way to do it. Now, what people do is they go in and they can change the order of withdrawal from the account, just kind of drag and drop your, your investments in terms of the order right. in which it occurred. And people can lock out accounts and say, I, I don't want to touch this for 20 years. I never want to touch this one. I'm leaving this to my kids, whatever. So people get really um, fancy with it and they can kind of back into the best yeah. strategy in terms of withdrawal. So they could wait to use their Roth accounts as opposed to their regular IRAs. Right, exactly. That's a big one. People like to lock out their Roth account for a set number of years. Right. But then I know um, that sometimes by to bridge that income gap, if you're waiting to collect, it's not an entirely bad thing to use some of those regular IRA or other uh, funds that are going to have RMDs because that can lower the future income and taxation. Yeah, um, generally I find that trying to withdraw from IRAs today to lower RMDs later doesn't usually help because it's either they get you coming or going, right? Yeah. Um, if they're gonna, going to do that, it would make way more sense to do a Roth conversion. That's true because you're going to pay tax on that when you do that. Yeah. So why withdraw yes. uh, from the IRA? You have to think ahead though. You have to do the, you want to do the Roth conversion over as many years as you can where your tax rate isn't very high. So, so these are other things that the yeah. software gets into, which is Roth conversion scenarios and, you know, shows you the best years to do it. You can easily see where your tax rates lower. Yeah. And it's incredible how many people had no idea that, they should do a Roth conversion. There's a sweet spot, which is um, before they get Social Security, obviously before they take any anything out of their, their um, qualified accounts for RMDs. So a lot of people don't realize they're going to have they might have a few years of super low uh, income tax rates, mm-hmm. and they're primed for a Roth conversion during that time. 
So that taxation um, calculations in there so they can sort of play around with it and max out the, the tax bracket that they're in. Yeah, that's right. And change the amount of Roth conversion or IRA conversions. Yes. I can completely see how the younger generation will really take this on because they're so comfortable with, with software and, and understanding that. I mean, a certain amount of them would, I would think. What about uh, back on the Social Security? What about for couples? Does the software allow um, couples to decide when, you know, who's collecting a spousal, if that's possible, and, you know, separate filing dates for each in the couple? Yes. Yeah, a lot lot of people do that. They'll play around with changing when a spouse might take it, maybe one person delays and the other one doesn't. And so they, they just kind of, you know, go back and forth and try to optimize the best way to do it. Okay. And do they, does the software use their earnings or does it just use the PIA that's given to them by social security? They can estimate using their earnings, but we always recommend getting the number from the social security administration website. The PIA? Yeah. The PIA is the most accurate, obviously. Okay, in your um, in your article, Social Security later can be better. You state that Social Security might be thought of as the safest annuity you can buy, and I, I totally agree with this. So, can you explain to our listeners that may not understand this the value of planning for Social Security claiming and how that can how we can increase that value by planning for it like every other asset in their retirement portfolio, because it's, it's such a huge amount of money over 20 or 30 years of retirement. So, so by planning for it, do you mean planning in terms of when you might take it or well, um, we, making sure you get the right number? Well, we get into the nitty gritty at NARSA as social security analysts. And especially with families, they may have young children, um, a younger spouse who is eligible for child and care spousal benefits. So there's, it's such a personalized decision when you get into that precise analysis that we use for, with our software. Mm -hmm. And we often see increases in their lifetime and annual amounts of thousands of dollars. And I think many financial planners don't understand how this decision is really a valuable thing to help their clients with. Yep. And I think that um, it gets glossed over quite a bit, which is, okay, you're going to take it your full retirement age and let's move on to the next thing. But it can have a big, a big impact. Also, depending on how they're projecting out their numbers, a lot of people think that Social Security, think that they won't be taxed on it. Right. And they don't know. It's hard to, the calculation is not easy. You know, of course, our software does it. It's, it's, the rules are all in there. So it's, it's pretty accurate. But, you know, if someone's trying to do it in a spreadsheet or a free calculator, it's just not going to be right. And like I said, a lot of people don't even understand that they, here's a, another problem with the Social Security benefit is um, the, the taxation is it's not indexed to inflation. No, I was just going to say it's increased. Like when it was started in 83, the first threshold, it was affected maybe 10% of 
retirees, and now it's at least over 50%. And 8.5% inflation isn't helping that because now more people are being bumped up. So pretty soon, everyone's going to be taxed on it right. if they don't index it to inflation. And it's it's really, it's pretty brutal, but it's it's also a stealth tax. And, and if that's not all taken into account, some people might really mess up their plan thinking, hey, I'm going to have uh, $40,000 a year in Social Security and my wife is going to have 30. We're set. But they're not taking account any taxes or whatever. Um, and that's that's a problem. So that's just one aspect of planning for. Then here's another one. The index that it's tied to, the COLA, uh, cost of living adjustment uh, has not been keeping up with regular inflation. No. Now that's continuing this year, unfortunately, as wages, you know, real wages aren't keeping up and that hurts the social security payments, right? So the purchasing power of social security payments is declining if COLA doesn't keep up with real inflation. Right. So these little things add up, they compound, right? Anything that involves a growth rate is compounding over time. Yes, I totally agree with you on that. And that's actually what I was going to ask you next. If you had the power, because I know you understand Social Security well, how to extend the Social Security program, how to make those fixes, what would you change from your point of view? What would be most beneficial? Well, there's the quick fixes that, get thrown around all the time, which is, well, just tax income up to a million dollars instead of, I don't know, I can't remember what it is today. Um, 147,000. Okay. So of course that would, that would help, right? That's, that gets into a huge debate about um, who should be taxed and, and how much and all that. Uh, and it might not ever happen. And then, then of course we could extend uh, out when people can begin to take social security but again, you get into issues of, well, what did you promise people? Yeah. Is it fair? Is it right? It depends. It depends how, what age groups you're talking about. So there are lots of problems that come along with these things that get thrown around. Well, it seems like a quick fix, but politically it wouldn't be, I don't think. But to me, one issue that it's always been there, it's always perplexed me, is how it's invested. Uh, Social Security, the money that's in there, in the invested completely in treasuries. Yeah. And the the annual return on those treasuries as of at least last month when I was looking at it was one and a half percent. Right. So inflation is eight and a half. They're earning one and a half. But are we willing to let them put that in the market? So it comes down to the amount of time it gets to stay in there, right? Uh, the longer the time horizon we know stocks will beat bonds over a long time horizon. I, I think the figure is over a 20 year time horizons, bonds have never beaten stocks. So it depends, right? You don't want to throw it in stocks and then keep pulling it back out again. It has to be set up in, in a smart fashion to where the money that goes into the stocks, it's in there long enough to reap the reward of you know, a longer time horizon where we know stocks will do well enough. Right, because pension plans... That's what they're doing with their assets, right? Yes. And now pension plans. So yeah, it gets into another problem with a lot of pension plans, which is, well, they're, um, they don't have enough money, a lot of them. To, to, no. so, so they're withdrawing tons of money from, from it to pay 
to pay what they owe and they are underfunded. And of course, Social Security is going to be there as well. So that's another problem. And all these pension plans, they're all in. They're 100% in stocks and real estate and, and who knows what else, right? Some of them are in private equity and all kinds of crazy investments that that is such a gamble when they're already underfunded. Uh, I'm not talking about any of that. I, I think just a, at least at the very least, you know, a third in stocks over a long enough time horizon and keeping it all in treasuries, especially when it's losing money every year to inflation right now, at least. Yeah. Um, it's just set up as a loser. Yeah. As an economist, what do you think of the, you know, you talked about it has to apply uh, the changes we need to think about, you know, future generations. I mean, the changes made in 1983, which were so significant, they're just now, you know, those folks are now just turning 62 with the full retirement age of 67. So it was over many, many years. And the FICA uh, amount, the 6.2% for Social Security, that hasn't changed in decades. And, as you know, if that were to go up really, really slowly at a tenth of a percent or something over a long time, do you have any thoughts on that as a way to bring more money in? You know, I, I just like things to be um, paid for. It's like a toll road. If you're paying money on a toll road and that money then goes to fund the building of a casino 500 miles away downstate, that I don't like, right? The toll road supposed to be, I'm paying for the road that I'm driving on. Uh-huh. Right? And that's good because uh, the people who use it are the ones who are paying for it. Now, social security, I want it to be such that if they're paying more in, then they should be getting what they're paying in. They should get it back out again at some reasonable rate of return. I really wouldn't want it to be a, well, we've got to increase your FICA taxes to make up for the fact that we we botched it over the last 50 years, right? But we're now making up for it by, by punishing you guys with higher taxes. So if that's the case, I don't know the numbers exactly, but, um, yeah. but if that's the case, I don't like it just from a, a fairness standpoint. I think that it should be, you know, your money goes in and you should earn a decent rate of return on it and get it back out in social security payments. Yeah. And many, most people get much, much more out than they ever put in, including their employer share. So I guess you'd have to consider what was the rate of return on that is what you're saying. Yeah. And that's the problem, right? You have some people probably don't get what they put in and some people get way more. And and a lot, some of the people get way more. It's another issue that... (laughs) But my clients are sometimes surprised when they find out that their their spouse can get half of their social security. But it's like, hey, my spouse didn't work and she's only going to get $5,000 a year. And I say, no, she can get half of yours. And they didn't even know it. Right. But that's a drain on social security as well. Uh, the ability to take half. Well, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot more dependence too, besides this, you know, besides just the spousal. And I mean, there's minor children that, you know, someone passes away at a really young age, their young spouse and young children are able to collect social security based on those earnings for many, many years. Right. If they're still young, but 
I don't know what percentage that is of total beneficiaries. It's a really, really complicated problem, that's for sure. Based on your experience and knowledge, what are the top two or three most important takeaways that you would give to people approaching retirement about either their social security claiming and or their retirement planning? So I kind of touched on, I think a lot of people um, don't think about delaying and some of them have valid concerns that I've talked to that, that have thought about it, but decided not to. And that is, well, they might cut my benefits because they're running out of money. I hear that. And so they want to take it as soon as possible. And, you know, my belief is that, well, if you're taking social security now, you don't have to worry about your benefits being cut. Um, Maybe, you know, 15 years from now, there will be a major problem with people that are just getting into it. But I don't think they're not going to cut social security for people who are already receiving it, right? That'd be political suicide, basically. Uh, So the delaying aspect, I don't think enough people look into it and think about it and run scenarios on it. And then there's, as, as I was saying before, the, the taxation, I think some people, they do a back of the hand calculation. They say, well, my expenses in retirement will be 60,000 a year. I am going to have 40,000. My spouse will have 20 in social security. We're good to go because they don't think it's going to be here. Or maybe they say, well, the most that can be taxed is, uh, uh, 85%. And, you know, or maybe they do a back to hand calculation, but they really need to know the exact projections, right? So they can right. make good decisions. Otherwise, they might quit working too early. They might, yeah. they might stop at 55 when they need to work another five years. Right. And you can't really do those projections without using software. No, you, it's just, it's too, there are too many moving parts. Right. Right. And it's just impossible. Uh, people start messing around on a spreadsheet and they just get tied up in knots, basically. And um, you just can't do it. It's too, too many things going on with taxes. And, and like we were talking about, Social Security has its own rules for taxation. So that all has to be accounted for as well. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, I think that um, there are people that worry, as I was saying, too much about Social Security benefits being cut in the near term. I think longer term, we need to certainly worry about it. But shorter term, I have people saying, well, I just cut my Social Security projections by half because they're not going to have the money to pay me. And I just say, well, that's, that would be shocking. I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. And before I understood social security back in 2011, I was not even counting my social security because I didn't realize the enormity of the amount that's that you collect. And um, yeah, well, if nothing's done by 2034, which I find very hard to believe, but they would need to cut current benefits by, you know, maybe 20% or so. Well, that assumes that they don't move the money from somewhere else. They can fund it, right? I mean, that's... No, what they're using right now is the um, surplus in the trust fund. Mm -hmm. And that surplus was created by legislation back in 1983 that created this this extra amount and that surplus has been being used. And now the interest on the surplus was paying beneficiaries. Now we're, they're using the principal of the surplus. So in 2034, it would revert to the pay as you go system from 
that it is designed as, and there are not enough working retirees to pay for the benefits of the beneficiaries. Right. So, but I, I suppose Congress could always pass a law or change a law and say, we're taking money from here and we're moving it into here to help fund Social Security. Yeah, I don't know. There's not an intermingling of that. I, I The Social Security uh, needs to make changes by 34. And I just think there's so many aspects to the program, though. I'm confident that changes will be made. Um, and a, a whole combination of different little changes would be best over a longer time. Yeah, and That's why the media, every time the trust fund uh, the trustees report comes out, everyone's up in arms because they think it's going bankrupt, which isn't the correct term at all. It's just used up its surplus amount and it would be pay as you go. But I'm confident that won't happen. Uh, it's it's still a little unnerving though. I think there'll be a lot of change, some changes coming definitely in the next decade, but you can take care of that in your software. <laughs> Yeah, and people do it there. There's actually a scenario to cut your benefits to to see what would happen, right? And and that's a conservative it. thing to do, to consider that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been great talking to you. Where can our listeners go to find out more about your software and possibly use that? Where's the best place to get in touch? Uh, so the, we have a, a seven-day free trial. They can go to mywealthtrace.com. Sign for a free trial, link your accounts, play around with it, and even run some scenarios. Great. Okay, well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Please tune in every Wednesday for new episodes. Our expert guests share a variety of topics uh, related to retirement and their expert knowledge. See you next week.